Our God is a giving God. Every good and every perfect gift coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Our Father in heaven gives us everything that we need for our survival and every blessing that we enjoy for our comfort. None of the things that we possess or love are ours because we have deserved them. No, in fact, the Bible tells us that the wages that we have earned are death. But the gift of God is eternal life through his Son. We deserve judgment and punishment, the Bible tells us, for our thoughts, our words, and our actions, which often abuse the gifts that God gives and the people that God gives us. But instead of these, of his own will, God brought us forth by the word of truth, which tells of Jesus that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creation. Our God gives good and perfect gifts to us who are unworthy. In our Old Testament lesson, we see God speaking to a man named Abraham. Earlier in the book of Genesis, we see God give Abraham and his wife a son, even though they were well beyond the age for bearing children. Before his wife conceived their son, Abraham thought, given his age and his circumstances, that he could never have children. But the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Look toward the heaven. Number the stars, if you are able to number them. So shall your offspring be. And Abraham's son Isaac, who we meet in our Old Testament lesson today, is to Abraham a promise kept by a loving God. Isaac is, is a gift. He's a, his son, but he's a gift that once received, Abraham couldn't imagine living without. I've often t- told my wife that before having our son, I couldn't imagine him being there. After the moment he was born, him and our daughter, we could never imagine them not being there. It's as though they always were. Do you have people or things in your life that you can't imagine living without? Perhaps a child, a parent, a significant other, a spouse, a friend. Then you get a mere little glimpse into how Abraham saw his son as a good, perfect, gift coming down from the Father of lights. Abraham wouldn't dare to imagine living without his son. And yet, this thought was brought to the forefront of his mind. 
After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, he said, here I am. And God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering, as one on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. A passage that we just read is a horrible Horrible piece of scripture. How could God request such a thing? It goes against everything that we and Abraham know about God. This request, if anything, it should serve to give Abraham cause to leave God and deny him. In fact, many people reading this passage through the years have said, How could a God do that? I'm out of here. But as Peter would later ask, when proposed with leaving Jesus, he kind of answered in this vein. Where would I go? What is there apart from God and the gifts that he provides? Where would you go? Where would you be if the outcome of your ways led you away from the Heavenly Father? What if they led you away from the good gifts that He provides? What if those things were taken away? What do you have? Well, ask yourself this. Where have you gone in the past when you've run away from God? As I know you have, and you can be sure that I have as well. And what were were the outcomes of our decisions to flee? Where did they lead us? So Abram rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he went to the place of which God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and will come again to you. Abraham's obedience to the words of the Lord along with his speech revealed some things. One, we understand Abraham trusted his heavenly father. We don't know how he felt about the situation the Bible doesn't tell us. Except that we see from his words that Abraham believed that God was going to keep his promise. Before him stood the death of his beloved son. But even more than that, before him also stood the promise that all nations were going to be blessed through his son. This son, and not another, Isaac. That promise stood before Abraham as well. And Abraham told those who were with him that he and his son were going to return. He didn't know how. 
But he had seen God work miracles in the past. He knew that even if his son died, he would live. Because the Lord, with the Lord, there is no variation or shadow due to change. The one who promised is faithful, and Abraham knew it. The situation that he found himself in didn't change God's promise to him. This inconceivable situation that he didn't understand, this evil that he seemed to be enduring by the hand of God, he didn't understand it. But he went and did something that we should always do. He weighed against what he didn't understand, the promise that he did understand. The promise that blessed him with a son. The promise of a savior who we know by Jesus, by the name of Jesus, who came through his son, Isaac. Sometimes we don't understand the suffering that we go through. Sometimes we don't understand why a God who gives good and perfect promises gives good gifts and perfect gifts. We don't understand why at times he allows us endure the, to endure the stuff we do. We don't understand how sometimes he seems so far away from us. Sometimes we feel abandoned. Don't you? Sometimes. Sometimes we feel abandoned even though the word of God proclaims that Jesus is nearer to us than the very breath that we breathe through the word and the sacrament. Our feelings and our experiences sometimes contradict the word of God. And in those moments, we have to ask, what or whom do I trust? Do I trust my experience, my emotions? They're screaming at me right now. The world would say, and the world does tell us, the only one you can trust is you. Or do we trust the word, the one who made the heavens and the earth, the one who sent his son to die for our sin, the sin that had separated us from him, the one who tenderly washed us with water and the word, the one who feeds us with food bore from his love and passion. Abraham knew that the best thing to do is to weigh the word of God that he understood. That is the gospel. Weigh it up against his situation. And this caused him to do the unthinkable. He moved forward. He secured his son to the altar and I imagine along with his trust there was great pain and confusion as Abraham lifted the blade. 
And with the blade lifted high in that horrid position, the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord, that is the pre-incarnate Jesus, called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold him, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord Will Provide. Even in confusion and hardship that Abraham did not understand, God kept his promise. My friends, the promise for you in baptism is the forgiveness of sins, the life everlasting as God's beloved child. That promise may be hard to see or grasp when you're lonely, when you're confused, when you feel overwhelmed by this world, when you're found in pain due to the wants and needs of the body. But that promise is more true than anything we can experience or feel. Our experience and our feelings are not worth weighing against the one who promised and delivered his only son to be with you, moreover, to take your place. In our gospel, we see Jesus coming to the waters that we went to out of repentance in need for the forgiveness of sins. And Jesus did not need to repent. He is the sinless Son of God. Nonetheless, out of the Father's good pleasure and love for you, Jesus came to those waters. The Heavenly Father gave and provided what Abraham only could imagine and hold on to by promise. And Jesus came to those waters bringing the forgiveness that we sought. He came bringing peace with the Heavenly Father. And in those waters, Jesus brought you sonship and so that you, you can cry out, Abba, Father, when addressing the creator of the heavens and the earth. Jesus not only came to bring us good things, he came to take from us all the bad things that separate us from him and the heavenly Father. And after he took our sin and the death that we deserve, he took it upon himself. The Bible describes it very clearly. He who knew no sin became sin for us. When he took that upon himself, 
the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. And he was, in the, he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. You see, earlier we asked, where would we go if we left God? Where would you go? Well, when you leave God, who is life and love, all you have before you is hate and death. You have nothing but wilderness and separation from God and from others. And in our gospel, we see Jesus going to the very heart of our rebellion. To where our rebellion leads. Without food or drink or any good thing that comes from the Father's hand, he was alone. There in his isolation, our Lord met the very enemy that overcame us in the garden. And there with nothing good in his possession except this. Except this. The word of God that he came to fulfill. Jesus became a promise kept. There in that desert the Lord provided the lamb who would take away our sin. The lamb who allowed Isaac and all who trust in God's promise to live. Jesus in his very person is good news to the sinner's ears. We may feel like we are in a desert wilderness at times, but here we see we're not alone. Jesus has come for us and he has come to suffer in our place. And any suffering that we endure is only suffering with him. And this suffering is not worth comparing to the promise that is yet to come. And if you ever, or maybe I should say, and when you doubt that promise, remember that in your temptation, Jesus conquered for you. And remember that in your death, Jesus died for you. And united with him in death, you will rise to eternal life. Jesus, who died in your place, he will not forget you. Your name was written in his hands by the very nails that pierced his flesh. He cannot forget you. To your God, you are unforgettable. You are loved. Jesus left that desert proclaiming a message that still applies today. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Believe the gospel. You see, Abraham did not trade in the promise of God worshiping gifts in place of the gift giver. And neither should we. When we take the good gifts that God has given us for the support and needs of the body, 
if we ever valued them more than God himself, those gifts became, become things, when they become things that we can't live without, they become our gods. But the truth is, the only thing we can't live without is the gospel that brings us life and salvation and the good news. In Jesus, all things hold together, making peace by the blood of his cross. This Lenten tide, our eyes are on Jesus, the perfect gift our Heavenly Father has provided. Jesus, the one who came so that we have life in his name. And as the Holy Spirit fixes our eyes on the Father's love for us, that is known in his Son, we pray that we would be transformed into people who are thankful, so that no matter what situation we find ourselves in, we walk in gratitude and love for others, just as Abraham was brought to do. And now may the peace that surpasses all understanding Guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until he returns for you. Amen.